my normal d3football.com laptop decided not to power on today. Uh-oh. Uh, so that's, you know, it's not good. And we're having to switch gears. You know, it's a uh, next man up philosophy here. So switching gears to my work laptop and I'm having to update all of the settings to find all of the recording equipment that I don't use for standard work calls. Well, it's good that you have two whole platoons of computers that you can just swap them in and out whenever you need them. Depth is key, obviously. Yeah, and we'll see what happens with our starting laptop. We're going to take that in, see a specialist tomorrow. Starting laptop made me laugh so much harder than I would have thought. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Coleman. You have a very forceful handshake, Mr. Coleman. And Greg Thomas. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. It's the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, your podcast about the largest division of college football. We welcome you to podcast number 307. That is season 16, episode 7. It's your podcast for August 22nd, 2022. I'm Pat Coleman, your editor and publisher of D3Football.com since 1999. And I'm Greg Thomas. I am the Around the Nation columnist. And Pat, camp is broken. We've got just a couple of weeks left before games get started. I'm ready to get back to our regularly scheduled weekly podcast and excited that activity is happening. We've got coaches on this week talking about camp activity, and I'm energized by the revival of Division Three football. I tell you what I'm eager to do, Greg. I'm eager to get out there and start hitting somebody else at this point. Absolutely. We've been going up against each other uh, nonstop all offseason. Be nice to see some some new faces in some different jerseys to uh, to go up against. One of the things as we you know get ready for, not for the podcast that we're going to do next week before the week one games, think about the ones that we're going to do after the week one games and the rest of the way through. It's like, I still feel like we need new categories. Your categories have become tiresome. Yes, I understand. Maybe some new drops, that sort of thing. I don't mind tearing this thing up and starting the F over. Installing a new system, always a little dicey this close to the start of the season, but it can happen if you've got the right pieces. You have to organize your system to fit your players, right? That's right. The good coaches create the system to fit their players and not force their players into a system. Seriously, I mean, this is as sidetracked as we're going to get here, or maybe we'll get more sidetracked, but that was one of the things people always said about Larry Karras. He was perfectly willing to run a pro set. He was perfectly willing to hand Chuck Moore or Dan Pugh the ball 35 times in a game. He was perfectly willing to throw the ball 50 times a game. And I think if I remember correctly, won national championships doing each of those three. I think he won national championships in pretty much any way you can play football. A lot of championships and a lot of different styles for Larry Karras over the years. When you hear this, well, I guess I don't know when you hear this, people out there in the universe, but at the time we drop this, we are going to be just 10 days away from kickoff on September 1st. There's a handful of games on the 1st. There's a handful of games on the 2nd. There's a bunch of games on Saturday the 3rd. And we're going to talk about all those things more in depth on the next podcast. But we've talked about it a little bit in the past, Greg, just some of the great games that are taking place here in the early part of the season. 
Absolutely. Be on the lookout in those first two weeks. So many good games against some of the top teams in the nation, Mary Hart and Baylor and Wisconsin Whitewater in particular, not only playing one another, but playing other schools, schools challenging themselves against those two teams. St. John's is in there with a game against Whitewater as well. So many great games in the first couple of weeks, really powerhouse games, the kinds of games that you expect to see in the third or fourth rounds of the playoffs, in fact. And speaking of just wanting to hit somebody else, you got to keep your head on a swivel when you're out there. If you didn't see this, somehow this uh, viral video that went around on Twitter, here's what it sounds like when a coach gets hit on the sidelines. Well, I mean, the expectation. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you air that one. Make sure you air that one. Yeah, Troy Abs uh, just fine after that. Got hit well out of the box. Did not see the flag fly, but it was a lot of uh, fun to uh, watch that clip. Let's put it that way. It's all fun that nobody gets hurt there. Maybe you, uh, maybe your your practice coach runs that play to the other side while the head coach is uh, on a headset with the local TV crew there. You know. Good point. Also news in the past week, finally, officially from the NCAA Division Three Management and President's Council that uh, conference opponents, again, will not have to meet, actually will not be allowed to meet, I should say, it would be more impressive the way to say that, will not have to meet in the first round of the NCAA Division Three playoffs. That was a thing that was in place for a whole year, aka 2019. It was supposed to be kind of going forward. We went through this stretch, right? And like 2012 through 18, which I think is seven playoffs, and there were six times where conference teams met up in the first round because money. Show me the money! And now, at the very least, it's not just a pilot program. It's going to be the thing going forward, thank goodness. It is, and that's that's one of those things that I'm glad stuck from the previous committee leadership. That really pushed to get that in. And we think about that rule as sort of the ASC rule or the Texas sub bracket rule. And the one year that it was in place, it actually impacted the SCIAC, the uh, Southern California Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Two teams qualified. Redlands, you know, by the numbers probably earned a home game, but they couldn't play Chapman. And Chapman also earned a home game as well. Redlands on the plane out to Belton, Texas to play Mary Harden Baylor. And that went about the way it usually goes when you go to Belton. But, you know, it, it is going to, if we do find a scenario where Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor, let's just say, both make the tournament, they won't play each other in the first round, which is great. One of them may well have to play Trinity of Texas. We'll know more about them pretty early on in the season. Trinity against Wheaton, kind of right off the bat in September as well. So that's a game everybody's looking forward to. A game that when we found out about it in like February, it's like, wow, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden there's like five other great games on top of it. But still a game that everybody will have to keep an eye on. That's for sure. Yeah. Trinity Wheaton seems likely that's going to make the rundown for that week's podcast. That's a thing they'll probably talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Other things coming out right now. You see conference preseason coaches polls. And I've been kind of down on these things over the course of the years. It seems like nobody wants to stick their neck out and take a chance, or at the very least, you can't get eight to 10 coaches to collectively stick their necks out and make bold predictions. It seems like every time you see a conference preseason poll, it's a regurgitation of the previous year 
and the first place team, you know, from last year is the first place team this year. And I, I just, is there anything that you can learn from a conference preseason poll? If you're a, a reader out there, I think, I think if, when you read those and you see who's the preseason favorite, it's almost always the defending champion. I think if you can learn anything from those polls, I think you can look at the the points clusters and see sort of the strata of teams within the conference and the way coaches see that breaking out. So if you have the top three teams in a conference separated by a handful of points and then a big gap of points to the next level, that's something you can learn. Like here are the players, maybe not one preseason favorite, but here's a few teams that the coaches sort of collectively think might be able to win. And you can read our top 25 poll the same way. Coming up on this podcast, we will talk with Jesse Burleson. He's the head coach at Hardin-Simmons University. His team may be the first one out of the playoffs last year, using that as motivation coming here into the 2022 season. And then we'll talk with Bethel coach Steve Johnson. His team, perhaps the last team into the playoffs last year, they were an at-large team at 8-2. and two. He'll talk a little bit about did they get there a little bit early, how many players are coming back from that team, that sort of thing. All that coming up in just a moment. It's that time of year where we are definitely looking for sponsors for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. I know I have a couple of feelers in my inbox that people will be talking to over the course of the next couple of weeks to talk about some of the options going forward here in the 2022 season. But regardless of whether that happens or not, the most important group that we have to thank for making these things possible are our Patreon subscribers. Subscribers to Patreon are people who can donate a certain amount of money on a monthly basis to a group that is, like in our case, putting together news and content websites about Division Three sports, including this podcast, or people who want to support an artist or a musician or some other podcaster, that sort of thing. Patreon subscribers make all sorts of things happen at d3sports.com. And boy, we are uh, very thankful for them, especially as things start gearing up here with week one on our doorstep. That's right. Our Patreon subscribers help fuel the engine that is behind d3football.com. And as we get ready for the season, you're going to see that Patreon support manifest itself in the scoreboard on Saturday that we all pay attention to and refresh throughout the day. Weekly features, occasional on-site activity, and then all of the post, all the great postseason coverage that we have as well. All of that is fueled by our support from our Patreon subscribers, and we thank our Patreon subscribers, and we hope that if you're not a Patreon subscriber, you'll consider joining that wonderful group of folks that help support the site become a patreon subscriber you can go to patreon.com slash d3 sports that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n people donate as little as three dollars a month so we're very thankful for that and if your support is maybe more of a one-time donation feature you could go to d3 sports.com slash help Back in the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, joined by Jesse Burleson, the head coach at Hardin-Simmons. Hardin-Simmons coming off of an offseason, which was a little bit longer, I think, than anybody expected. I think that's the fair way to say that. I know that this snub was nine months ago, but coach, well, first of all, thanks for joining us on the podcast. But secondly, I continue to see you guys reference this. This must be a huge motivating factor for you guys this season. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of a kind of a crazy situation because I think it was one of those things that we, we definitely didn't expect to happen. And it sounds like to me like everybody else was on the same page. You know, sometimes a team feels like they were, were snubbed or left off, that they deserved it. And, uh, you know, we just kind of took it for what it was. And we obviously didn't take care of business like we needed to. And uh, we've learned a lot from that. And we've grown a ton as a team and as a program from that, for sure. All programs right now, and for the next couple of years, I think we'll continue to do this, are going through this process of having guys with extra eligibility who, you know, every offseason then are going to have to decide whether they come back, right? Obviously, you know, we had a full 2021 season, but guys have lots of eligibility uh, left over from 2020. I can only assume, too, that when a case where, you know, you guys did not get into the playoffs last year, it may be even a bigger motivating factor for some of those guys who were on the fence to come back and stick with the program for another season. Yeah, that that's definitely a fact with our team. I, I mean, we have a ton of super seniors that probably had the opportunity to go ahead and graduate or do something else, and, and they they want to stick around for one more ride. And, and that's a huge compliment to those guys and their persistence and understanding that, that they have one more opportunity to do this, and they definitely want to take advantage of it. So uh, I just couldn't be more proud of those guys for, for finding a way to stick with it. And unfortunately, they prolong making a little money if they graduate down the road, but uh, I told them they got the rest of their lives to work. They got a very small window to play football. And that is the case with football more than any other sport. We used to ask every school how many guys were in camp for the year. You told me right before we got on the recording a ridiculous number. How many guys you've got in camp for Hardin-Simmons right now? We have 209 Cowboys on this football team this season. That is crazy. In the past, like I think the highest numbers I've seen might have been 195. And like the average for Division Three, you know, in the pre-COVID times was about maybe 125 guys in camp. How do you manage 209 kids? It's definitely organized chaos. I mean, we we spend a lot of time as a staff planning every you know minute detail down to uh, you know where we're going to do you know the location of the drills and who's going to be doing what and and how we're going to rotate guys and all those things. It takes a lot of planning on the staff's part, but uh, my guys do a phenomenal job of, of getting a good plan in place. And then it's really teaching those guys what the expectations are. You know, the first two days we had two uh, completely separate practices, so you had a practice for the re returners who kind of get things and they know how things go uh, and then you throw those newcomers those freshmen out there and it's a little different story so we we try to get them up to speed and at least give them a foundation that they can build on and then after those first two days man it's it, it's all together and we're rolling and uh, it's it's been a good start to this camp those newcomers have if nothing else have to just learn what a college practice is like and specifically what a Hardin simmons university practice is like it, that that is probably the the biggest change for those guys i mean they understand you know if they're a linebacker or if they're a defensive lineman they know what the position does but the expectations and the standards that we have around here that's what we have to spend more time teaching those guys more so than anything football was the reason that was given for Harden simmons not making the playoffs last year or the only thing that we ever really heard from people was the fact that the one non-conference game was a game against a non-D3 school. And, you know, obviously we have heard and we've seen in other programs that are in isolated parts of the country, those games are kind of hard to find. Then things got a little more difficult, right? With Bellhaven leaving the conference, you need a second non-conference game. Now, you guys did find a non-conference game and I think a pretty good one in playing UW-Platteville. But how many schools did you talk to in order to find somebody who actually play you guys this year? 
Uh, I actually looked, and it was over 150 schools uh, that we contacted individually to to try to find a, another opponent for this season, and it it's brutal. That that's the that's the hardest thing for us to do is try to try to find an opponent. You know, and everybody can say what they want, but I mean, it's either that or play nine games, and you know, we don't want to do that. We want to play ten because our guys deserve that, and I think that's what uh, we're going to continue to do. And so, you know, but but there's some other teams that uh, that got in and and they played in an AI school too. So you know, I don't know how that's uh, how that's any difference, but that's the reason that was given and so we just got to roll with it we got to do the best we can with what we got and and we're we're trying uh, even for the next couple of years trying to find opponents because we're going to need three non-conference opponents after this season with southwestern leaving the conference and so it just gets a little bit tougher every year I think point of clarification, just for everybody listening, I think the difference is that Hardin-Simmons' only non-conference opponent was an NAIA school. And I think you may be talking about maybe UW-Lacrosse, if I remember correctly, who had a mix of programs. But that's just the disclaimer that I have to uh, that I have to put on there. Um, yeah, sure. With the 10-team conference, you know, you, you, you're only going to get one non-conference. So I think Lacrosse right. ended up playing a D2 school, you know. So it, it just yeah. kind of, you do the best you can with what you got. So we were talking with Coach uh, Larry Harmon, the new head coach down at Mary Harden Baylor, earlier in the offseason. There's talk of an ASC WIAC challenge. That's your conference and the Wisconsin conference, the one that Platteville is coming from. That would be, you know, that's two conferences really that have a little bit of hard time filling non-conference schedules that would be a good match for each other competitively Absolutely. and all the rest. I agree 100%. I think that would be one of those. Uh, it's a no-brainer, I think, for both of us because we have those exact same struggles trying to find non-conference games and uh, people that want to come to, you know, Wisconsin or teams that want to come down here to Texas. You know, it just makes perfect sense. So I'm hoping that uh, the commissioners can can get together and, and figure out how to uh, how to make that deal work for both conferences. And I think it would be ideal for both of us. Three teams in Texas really highly ranked coming into the preseason. You know, basically preseason top 10 is 30% Texas. Mary Harden Baylor, obviously the defending national champs. Trinity brings a bunch of guys back. You guys brought a bunch of guys back. Obviously, we've known for quite some time how good Division Three football is in Texas. But it seems like this year it's going to be up yet another whole level. Like we've turned this up to 11 and then we're going to have to turn it up to 12 this year or something. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a very good way to put it, Pat. I mean, uh, it, there's just so many good teams, and good players, and 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 programs that are striving to get better and be on the, uh, you know, not just good in the state of Texas, but on the national scene. And and uh, you know, we're well known, I think, uh, whenever you think about Texas football. But I think it's more important than that is not just being known, but being able to go and play some teams from around the country. You know, get into the get into the dance and and, and see what happens. And I think we've all got the same goals, the same aspirations, and and that's what we're all striving to do. But we're, we're we're really proud of what we what we do down here and I think we're all trying to make it each you know better each and every day. One of the ways that schools try to kind of separate themselves is facilities. Used to be it was weight rooms, then there's a lot of video boards going on over the last 10 years or so and you know obviously there's the best hands down stadium in Division 3 is in your conference and the folks over at Trinity have put some upgrades into their stadium as well. Where does Harden Simmons kind of fit into the arms race of these sorts of things? I think we're right up there near the top. I mean, we we have made some some drastic improvements to, to ours. We we we've done a gigantic video board that's that's super nice and it's phenomenal the things they can do with that. I think the other things that we have done is is we've just we poured so much into our players, you know, just uh, trying to give them the 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 best of everything that we can and 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 give them the opportunity to be big time college football players. You control what you can, you know. Of course, we'd love to put a, a you know brand new stadium in and, and do all those things. Well, that's not in the cards right now. 
but I, I love Shelton Stadium. I love the opportunity to get to play there. But we're we're constantly looking for ways to upgrade, whether it's it's uniforms or it is weight room. You know, that's that's a big uh, big need for us is is to improve ours. But we've got a great administration and a, and a great board that understands that uh, you you kind of hit the nail on the head. It is an arms race. I mean, everybody is striving to get better. And if you want to be able to recruit and draw people into your program, you better be fighting that battle. And, and I think we've got the right people in place to, to help us uh, be right there towards the top. At the time we're having this conversation, you guys are about a week into camp. By the time that people hear this podcast, it's going to be probably another week or so. Tell us a little bit about how camp is going, what you're learning, what you've seen from guys, especially, you know, obviously quarterback position is going to be someone who's going to be a new starter for you guys, that sort of thing. Honestly, I couldn't be more pleased with where our team is right now during camp. Uh, I mean, we we literally hit the ground running, even with adding a, a lot of newcomers into it. Our returners have just done a phenomenal job in terms of just uh, showing those guys the ropes, teaching them the way things are done. We've already installed a ton of offense and a ton of defense and and really taking care of business on special teams. I think we're so far ahead of where we've ever been in the past. And if you think about that, that's a long time. You know, this is going to be my 12th season as the head coach, my 16th season here as a coach overall. I can't believe where we are. Um, when I look back at it and, and see where we've come and, and where we're trying to go to, our guys just have a hunger each and every day of give us more, give us more tools, you know, teach us the things that we need to be successful. And they're just, they're, they're literally eating it up left and right. And so uh, I've got the best staff. I feel like in the, in, in the entire nation, you know, guys that, that work hard and, and put our guys in, in the positions they need to be in, but more importantly, they're just unbelievable people and, and they're great to be around. And they've just done a phenomenal job of, of planning for 209 guys and, and making sure that, you know, our guys all understand that they do have a role on this team. And, and some people may scoff at that and say, there's no way, but we find a way to do that. And I think that's one of the things that, that makes us special is, is finding ways to get guys involved and to show them that they can be a, a contributing factor to this team. Longevity has to help, right? You mentioned how long you've been there. Both your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are returning. And so you had these guys for the spring. How much of the stuff that you're building this base off of, how much of it was actually done in the spring? Quite a bit, honestly, because whenever you are putting a few new pieces in, you know, especially, you know, uh, offensively with the, with breaking in a new quarterback, you know, that's that's an important time for what you're doing. Defensively, we've been able to kind of adjust some things and see, you know, if there's something we can do better or tweak just a little bit, you know, not a not a wholesale change, but a few little changes that we've made have, have drastically improved what we're doing. But the longevity is the, the continuity with our staff is huge. You know, the majority of, of our guys here have, have been here for a long time, you know, uh, my offense coordinator, Jeff Whitehead, he's been here with me since the beginning. Zach Wilkerson, our defense coordinator, has been here close to 10 years, you know, which is uh, which is hard to do. But those guys are, are absolutely phenomenal at what they do. And the rest of our staff is, uh, you know, a lot of them have played here, have been GAs here, and have, uh, you know, kind of worked their way up. But, man, I just couldn't be more pleased with what we were able to take from the spring. Uh, those guys were obviously able to work on their own in the summer, but then, man, jump into camp and it, we didn't miss a beat. We just hit the ground running and, and were able to to roll with it. I know Galen Glenn didn't get like a bunch of snaps in key situations necessarily last year. What style quarterback is he? What would people, uh, what are people going to see? Uh, I think, you know, the thing last year with what we really did with him, you know, he was kind of our, our wildcat guy, if you want to call him that, you know, he, he did have, but we, we threw, you know, some, some stuff with him and, and know that uh, I, I think a lot of people are going to plan on him just being a really dynamic runner. 
but he's a dang good passer too. I mean, I think he's going to be a true dual threat that we maybe haven't had around here uh, in a while in terms of uh, a guy that can do both and be extremely effective and, and efficient at both of those things. He can move the offense, but he knows that he doesn't have to do it all by himself. He can distribute the ball to our playmakers and, and, and be able to do some things. But when it's time to take off and run it, he can definitely do that too because he is a he, he's a great athlete and he's a, he's a great leader on our team. And we're really excited about where we're going from here. And one of the things that I'm just going to do like a little uh, level set on Harden Simmons, the things that I have remembered from the past when I've seen you guys up close or maybe I've talked to you when we did kickoff, that sort of thing is your lines. And I think it's both offensive and defensive lines. You guys are going to play basically two full groups of guys basically all the time. I see there's, you know, a bunch of those guys, well, a, a bunch of the uh, starters returning on the offensive line and, and looking good defensively as well. Is that still something that you guys are doing? Uh, we do. We definitely play in depth, which I think is uh, it, it's a little bit of a different thing. A lot of teams don't do that, but we are we, we feel like and probably, you know, honestly, more so this year than any year before is we have guys that, you know, if you say that, you know, the starters or the backups or even the third group, we have guys in all of those groups that have started games for us. And not just played, but played at a really high level because, uh, you know, whenever they get in there, they just take advantage of their opportunity. Same thing on the D-line. You know, if you can keep those guys fresh and keep them playing, uh, you know, we, we feel like we can we can roll through a couple of groups, uh, interior and and at the defensive end, and, and you know, and have no drop-off whatsoever. We, we don't play guys just because we think it's cool to say that. We really truly believe that they can they can contribute, you know, and they're guys that can help us win games, and they've earned the opportunity to do it. So we're gonna we're gonna roll with those guys and and give them a chance to to go get after it. And it's not just the defensive line, right on the defensive side of the ball. I don't, I don't know necessarily about platooning or or switching guys off, but I just look at I think I count ten out of eleven starters back for you guys this year. That that is that is correct, and, and we have two others that started games as well. So it, it's a it's a great problem to have if you want to look at it like that. Backing up for a second, just to note that if Jesse Burleson talked to 150 schools in looking for a non-conference game, that's basically two-thirds of the available schools. 240 schools in Division Three, minus 10 NESCAC schools who aren't playing non-conference games, minus the rest of the teams in the ASC, and then HSU talked to a huge percentage of the rest. Yeah, that is a lot of time and a lot of phone calls to get one school to say yes, and you know, scheduling is a topic that pops up here on Around the Nation pretty often because it doesn't stop being a massive pressure point for a lot of programs. The potential for an ASC-WIAC crossover would be really exciting. There are a ton of fun matchups that you can make between schools from those two leagues. I don't know if it's WIAC or WIAC, right? But I'm still sticking with WIAC. Spelling out WIAC, though, can never be wrong. It's never, it's never going to be confusing who you mean when you say that. No, but I am certainly going to trip over that multiple times throughout the season if I keep on that. So I feel like I need to choose I need to choose one of the pronunciations and, and go with it. You also touched on Harden-Simmons versus Mary Harden-Baylor, which is going to be one of the more anticipated conference games of the year. Is this the premier conference game now that Johnny Tommy is done? Whoa, man. Right. So like the other big, big games we talk about, Cortica Jug is a non-conference game. Amherst Williams remains a big game. Uh, you know, your alma mater plays a, uh, a big game. And that's a I can, every once in a while I have to remind myself that, yes, Wabash and DePa are currently in the same conference. I think what hurts putting a WIAC matchup here is you never know in any given year is the most important one going to be Whitewater versus Lacrosse. Is it going to be Whitewater versus Oshkosh? 
And I don't mean to discount River Falls in there anywhere as well. That's really interesting. It's certainly, I mean, of that list of anticipated games in September, this has got to be super high on the list. Yeah, I'm thinking about the the the, the tippy top conference games. I mean, I think it's this one or or maybe the Brass Bell. Yeah, um, I did not mean to leave that out. That's a good one too, and that's in that's not in September this year, but I think that one's a... finally been pushed back a little bit out of the first couple of weeks of the season, <laughs> which is nice. Into a reasonable spot. That's right. It's on October 1st. Totally not in September. Yeah. So anyway, there are a lot of things that sort of lean in Harden Simmons' favor. Uh, they've got a number of returning starters. Like you guys talked about, they're going to play the game at home in September. They've got coaching staff stability. Mary Harden Baylor's had some turnover this year with Coach Fred retiring and their OC moving on. So, you know, so they've got some changes there. But the Cowboys are breaking in a new quarterback. And the crew have Kyle King returning, who the last time we saw live football was playing quarterback probably better than anybody else in the division. Um, so, you know, if you're going to have to pick one spot to have an advantage, quarterback is in a bad position to be advantageous at. Is this the time that Harden Simmons is going to get over the hump and get that win against Mary Harden Baylor? And it seems like a lot of the a lot of the chips are are in their favor this time around. You just think about what it takes to, you know, what kind of motivation that provides, right? They have been smarting from this. First of all, smarting from blowing a 28 to 7 halftime lead. That's something that should be noted, right? I mean, Harden Simmons had this game in their grasp at halftime. And then, you know, Mary Harden Baylor scored three times in the third quarter and once more in the fourth quarter to win that game. And Harden Simmons did very little offensively after halftime. But they, you know, between that. And the playoff snub, God, that's a ton of motivation for a team that's also got just a ton of veteran guys returning. It is. And if there's a lot of teams are going to are going to leverage that sort of leave no doubt mentality this year. That's a common theme for a bunch of teams every year. But if there's any one team that can really, really grab onto that and run with it, it's probably the Cowboys. Back on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, and we're joined by Steve Johnson, the head coach at Bethel University. I'm here in, this is your office, right? Here in the, uh, what seems like the bowels of the Bethel University Athletic Center. This is the first time I've been in here. This is a really nice setup. Yeah, it's a, it's a great office. There's a lot of history. The, the wall is papered with star players that, uh, meaningful players, both to the program on the field, to wins and losses, but also hurt stuff. So it's a, it's a little bit of a museum. I think I recognize some of these photos. It is a really nice mural over here. And, uh, you know, in terms of the history of Bethel football, I mean, Bethel existed and Bethel football existed before you got to this program. But, uh, you know, we were just talking 34 seasons or 34 years, depending on how we wanted to term it. Basically, almost the entirety of the success, the successful years of Bethel football have been in the last 20 or 22, something like that. I'm going back to about 2000. Yeah, well, um, I think we, uh, I came here in 89, we, uh, we were 15 and 85 in the 80s, and the first year that I was here, we were 3-6-1, and one, and uh, our staff was the coach of the year, so it gives you an idea, you know, where we were at that point, and then uh, we've had 
20-some seasons in a row of uh, winning seasons since 93. So it's been good, and, it, and you know, it it's kind of grows, and, and the expectations change, and, and we feel great about all those those different things. We play in an amazing league with amazing people, and so... Yeah, I feel I feel like uh, I feel blessed to to be here, and at the same time, uh, time flies. Because I remember when I, you know, when I was here for twenty eight, twenty nine years, nobody ever said anything. Soon it was thirty. Every hey, how come you've been there so long? And I'm wondering if they want me fired or whatever. But it's it's really been uh, something that the culture and the group, and uh, you know, I'm a great fit for this school and this institution, and that for me and our guys, you know, we're we're pretty bought in. So we've had great success on the, on the field, and there's been a lot of good fruit out in the men that have played here and, you know, making a difference. I know some of these things I'm about to ask about are going on nine months old, but, you know, just with such a really mm, interesting, strange, hard-to-measure season for Bethel last year. I mean, two losses to St. John's, which I think it might have ended up number six or something in the country, and one of them by just uh, the slimmest of margins at the end, and then a loss to Central Bethel. It could very easily have been the 10th best team in the country or something last year, and gone, And but you guys went, I think, eight and three. Yeah, I think we, uh, you know, our, our two losses in the seat, we were really fortunate to, to get into the playoffs. At the same time, we lost to the number five team in the nation twice just because the league alignment has changed with St. Thomas leaving. So the Johnnies beat us twice, and it was a great game up there and an unbelievable game here that if that they won on the last play of the game, and it was an unbelievably great game that we would talk about every day if we didn't lose. But since we lost, we haven't even looked at it. You know what I mean? It's, so it's, I think the the committee, and we got some breaks, I think, and, and we made the playoffs. At the same time, we felt ridiculously excited to go because we only had two seniors. And um, so we played Central in the playoffs. They were terrific. Coach McMartin does an amazing job. Their quarterback was the Gallardi Trophy winner. That, that unbelievable in a great game. And then they kind of they ran away. But they had 17 covid seniors and we had two so we were pretty excited to be really young and in the playoffs and and that that's great and you know there's so much building as i you know I, i've known you for years and, and as we yeah when you get to make the playoffs you've got another week of what i call really real practice you know what i mean it's not like we're hanging out in the spring or something else you got a stinking big game coming up and so you really can grow and it's not about fair or not, but it's, it really does grow you to make the playoffs. So being in the playoffs with, we had, because of COVID and different things, we had eight different guys start at quick linebacker and, you know, everybody's got these different things, but we lost two really good starters, but out of our top 30 players last year, only two aren't with us now. And so we're really excited for this year. And maybe last year was, you know, I don't, you don't want to, I'm not trying to be over optimistic, but last year we were maybe a little bit ahead, even because yeah, we're a little year early. So like my Cubs in uh, 2015. So <laughs> that could be a whole separate discussion, whole whole separate thing. But it it brings up the question though. I mean, uh, we were talking about your, your guys' roster. We talked with Jesse Burleson at Harden Simmons in this podcast as well, and about the 209 kids that they have. And I think before COVID, like the average number of kids that a D3 program has in camp is about 125 these days. You guys are a little bit smaller than that, and you said intentionally so. But it makes me wonder about you know 
kids coming in, coaches are facing this all over. Right now, you've got like five classes of kids to kind of cram into a 110-person roster. Yeah, and I, I've been coaching for 40 years in college and here for 34, so nobody's seen this. you know. And so we have a huge sophomore class, I guess, uh, eligibility-wise. But most of our senior, we have 18, 19 seniors right now, and I think all of them are you know, finagled to, to be here to stay, whether they're in graduate school or have one class left or and kind of things like that. Fall sports, you're a little bit more able to do that. And so that's really exciting and great. So that I'm not sure when that, that other, uh, you know, blop is going to be, you know what I mean? For us, it's like, we kind of got it over with, with, uh, we had a smaller class last year, not that we wanted to, but that's, that's just how it works. So our what would be our, our sophomores and our COVID sophomores is that's a huge class, but it's probably, it was probably 70. Now it's down to 52, but that's an amazing 52. And so when that one goes, and if it all goes at the same time, that would be a crazy deal. But I think the NCAA is, you know, there's, there's enough wisdom to space it out and, and let kids kind of finish, you know, without scouring them too much. Um, you know, kind of ease up on the eligibility requirements. You know, I've had people over the years say, how do you keep a hundred guys happy? And that's not our goal, but we do coach every single guy. And uh, so our eighth linebacker, he might not be amazing, but he, he's going to know what to do and he's going to be an important part of, of what we're doing. And that, you know, I don't want that to just be cliche. You know, we just want to, we really do want to have a bunch of guys love the Lord, love football, love each other. And that way to play their play their butts off and 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 you know, I mean there's a lot of joy in that you talked about uh coaching the guys to play their butts off and uh, hopefully I'm not giving away too many things I don't think there's anything on your board on your whiteboard right now that's uh you know uh, trade secrets the the bullet on the board is play fast and free yeah we want our <laughs> that's a we we want to be free from choice we want our we want to know what we're doing we want to be simplified what's your base you know even in our lives you know here it's like we, we don't want to be a religious school or anything, you know, Baptist, Catholic, whatever you are, we believe the king of kings sent his kids so we could run, and that's what frees us. And so in football, that means we're going to run counter. We're going to run it great, and you got to stop that. We're going to do a whole bunch more, but our base is going to be in that situation. You know what I mean? And so those are the deals sometimes, especially, you know, the I think maybe the best thing we accidentally did a long time ago was – play really good deep plays good a defense as we could and try to get back to the line of scrimmage because we're playing St. John's back then they were amazing and we're losing by 50 all all the time and so that's never really we've never really gone away from run the ball and, and play great defense and then as you go when your base is strong you can expand and fly and have more agility you know the same in the in the IT world all those different things so our philosophy is we're going to be uh, sound, succinct, and then and then go from where, and that causes that freedom to go. So freedom is kind of like it's it's your heart, but it's also, you know, freedom from choices. And um, if I know what the heck I'm doing, I can go pretty fast. It's not just about a 40 speed, although we like those. 
Uh, yeah, fair enough. I'm sure everybody does. I want to talk specifically about Jaron Rosti for a minute. You know, as a guy who we've seen play uh, in a lot of big games so far in his career. And for those who don't know, this is like, this is a big quarterback. He's like, if I would, I'm just kind of working from my head, I'd peg him at about 6'3", 230 or so. What are you hoping to see out of him this year as he continues to elevate his game? Yeah, he's a, he's a crazy athlete. He's kind of a crazy kid. He loves everything. He loves all sports. He's nuts about soccer. I keep trying to pretend I can understand the 55 premier leagues that there are, but he's just, he's just kind of a happy hearted guy. And and he's not a, you know, sometimes you think a quarterback, I mean, he just, he just like loves sports. He loves our guys. He works with our build program here at Bethel, which is a uh, um, special needs kids that are, that are having a college experience. And helping him get into the workforce. And he's kind of a magnetic personality that way. Uh, he, we were talking the other day and he was talking to somebody else and I overheard him. So it goes good with your question is he said that even, you know, right when I left high school, I was at the U and then even here year after year after year, the game kind of slows down and I kind of, I, I just know earlier where I'm going and, and stuff like that. And he's done a great job in the weight room. So but he's a, he's a big guy who's really fast, and he's not just fast. He's he's really strong, but he's not just strong. He's he's instinctive. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of a lot of things. Kind of a famous run, a few years. You know, pre-COVID, uh, we're playing St. Thomas and huge game to go to the playoffs, and we we had a good a good run there, but we had like a third and nine on our own ten, and he, we ran a count quarterback counter kind of just a draw, you know, maybe let's punt next. Well, he kind of ran over a linebacker and then outran a corner. That's the kind of athlete he is. And I, and I think his throwing was always good, but now it's kind of, there's another level there. So, and some of that's arm and some of that is knowing where to go and when. The classic Bethel teams. I think, I'm not sure if we've used that phrase before, but now you've had great teams long enough that we can say the classic Bethel teams. We always think about defense first um, and you know, think about, Ah, oh, shoot. I'm sure he's up here on this on this wall, right? The yeah. guy who picked off uh, five passes in a game yeah. in uh, Ben Matthews. Thank you. Good, good. Yes. Thank you. Right. Uh, had a trial with the Vikings, Dawson Brown more recently. But yeah, we really have had defensively, we want to be amazing. And, and that's kind of where we're at, we're at right now. We've got a Mike McElroy is our defensive coordinator, and he was with Jerry Kill at Southern Illinois. After Coach Kill went on his deals, he had him come up, so he's at the U, but he's with us and just a great mentor for our guys. But, um, you know, we want to go we want to go get the quarterback and, you know, stop the run on the way there. And But he's there's, – there's just a neat blend that we've got right now. And But but you're right, Pat, we, we really – pride ourselves it's not even pride it's like we we believe that that's how you win play great defense control the football and you know see what happens who are the other big names people are going to be hearing again this year well i think our our receivers there and there are those young guys that we had we had some great and i and i think bethel did a great job in the COVID deal we weren't like nutty you know trying to you know overdo everything but we were really respectful with mass and vax and all that but we were really able to, within the boundaries that we had, to kind of grow the COVID guys. But we've got a great receiver's name's uh, Joey Kidder. 
uh, Mike and Newald are, you know, our first five receivers are all in that same class, and they are really good players. Bryce Kunkel is our main running back, and we've got a few, but he's he's an amazing player in our offensive line, and they're all back. You know what I mean? So there's that continuity piece. Um, if there's any place where last year we were a little bit, we were good, but we were young, which for a D lineman, that means you're a little you know, maybe a little light in the shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and so those guys have come back, you know, and that freedom that you're talking about playing fast, man, when I, when I trust my buddy, I play faster when, when I know he's going to be there. Da, 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 da. And so there, there's just a lot of fun things right now. We felt like our, you know, we've been in camp about uh, more than a week, feels like a month, but uh, our guys, they, they kind of talk, uh, man, my reads are like breathing, you know, and, and we feel like we could play you know, right away. And, and a lot of that is when you have 28 out of 30 starter type guys here. It's really fun as the head coach to sit back there and hear the defense, you know, and all the, all the calls are being done and they're, they're meaningful and they're sharp. It's not rah, rah. Um, but that's what makes you play fast. All right. So coach talked about guys coming in ready to learn and it being easy to install stuff. Coach Burleson said that also, and, you know, that's one of the common themes. We know there was a theme today. Each week on our program, of course, we choose a theme. Like top teams, veteran teams coming into camp, motivated and ready to get to work. Yeah, the better programs have that kind of foundation, don't they? We we don't see the very top teams in the division ebb and flow or rotate in and out that much because those programs aren't hitting the reset button after every four-year cycle. You don't really have one good class that peaks in the quarterfinal or semifinal round and then... You go back to building again with a group of young guys that stumble through a five and five and learn how to win again. So, you know, it's easy to install things when, and I'm checking my notes here, 28 of your top 30 guys from last year are coming back, including the entirety of your offensive line, a four-year starter, at quarterback, all of your skill spots. You know, Bethel profiles right now is a team that can have a really special season and playing a lot of stinking big games later this fall. <laughs> um, I enjoyed Coach Johnson's just use of the language, right? I worked for slash with a coach, which is now going on almost 30 years ago, who for, you know, for him, the most profane thing this guy would ever say in practice or on the sidelines would be, God bless America! You know, just a uh, super, super clean cut guy. And Steve Johnson is, you know, he, he touched on it in the interview. I mean, Bethel is one of the most authentically religious based schools in the country, certainly within Division Three, if you're more familiar with Wheaton, think of them as like Wheaton, all the way down to whether you are allowed to dance on campus at, in any given decade. I mean, I think most of those things are now 15, 20 years ago have been have been wrapped up or whatever. But I would just I I'd not had a long sit down one on one conversation with Coach Johnson, which is you know my fault, I guess, because we're here in the uh, this part of the D three world. Uh, for 13 years or so, and it's been like post-game interviews and that sort of thing, have a real sit-down conversation with him. That was just a lot of fun, I guess, is what I'm rambling in trying to say here over the course of the last 90 seconds. Yeah, it was a really good conversation. I enjoyed listening to it. Another thing about Bethel is they do play a style that works well late in the season. So, you know, if they get a veteran group that can go and get into the playoffs with the right matchups, they're surrounded by a ton of really great teams and they could run into a monster pretty early, but you know, Steve Johnson's been to the semifinals. They know that's a team that 
you know, the style they play, good defense, run the ball, and if they're skilled enough and consistent enough, they're going to do it really well, and they can win two or three games in a in a tournament for sure. Your categories have become tiresome. You've got mail. Diving into the mailbag, we ask you guys to tweet us, tweet at us at D3Football, use that D3FB hashtag, and this question is from our friend Jack Burrows at tbonedoggy 96 saying, as much as I hate to ask it again, coronavirus isn't going away as I was infected with symptoms just a month ago. Oh, and now we have monkeypox. Do you see this impacting the upcoming season? Uh, first of all, Jack, I hope uh, you're doing well. Glad you're well enough to tweet at us. Um, and uh, coincidentally, I asked Steve Johnson how he thought COVID might impact his program this season. And here was his take. You know, I think uh, some of the COVID things, and I, I try to be a positive guy and, uh, you know, some of the things that it gave us is good. We always would want a kid that doesn't feel good or he's got the flu or something to stay away, you know. And so we're, we're being sharp with that, but we're going to go with what the recommendations of the NCAA and the, and the CDC. And I, I, I really kind of proud of our guys to where we're we're not nitpicking everything but we are we're super respectful of of the disease what can happen and it's and it relates to other people we want to be people that care about one another and so don't want to offend anybody but but we do you know wear a mask when you're supposed to you know what I mean so and I we just we just kind of talk about it's just part of the discipline of of being good and and winning and not only in football but in life and so I think the COVID, you know, we hope it doesn't affect us bad, but if it does, it's just, you know, it's the flu went through again or something, you know. You know, it's, it's a little easier to deal with COVID when you don't feel like people, it's so life-threatening, you know, and that I, I think most people feel that way. And these are healthy young men. Yeah, knock on Formica. But the people are, you know, I mean, we, you just got to deal with and it's And it's such a cool thing, Pat, because... All we talk about is, hey, get to what's next. Even if whatever, if it was good or bad, get to what's next and have a happy heart, you know, and kind of stay connected with each other and be grateful for everything, even tough stuff, because it's going to grow you. And we just talk about that all the time. And it's the kind of men we want to be. It's the kind of dad we want to be. It's the kind of husband. And so when we're we're talking about, and that's the kind of player too. And so we're practicing those things as 20 year olds. And I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty good training ground. You know, it's interesting, right? Obviously we lost a small number, not a huge number of games to COVID issues last season, including a playoff game. I don't get the impression that we're going to lose nearly as many to that sort of thing this time around. I haven't really heard anything though. Obviously I suppose that anytime any of these big games, especially early in the season involves teams getting on a plane that that might have an impact but maybe just fingers crossed or maybe knock on wood I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the 2022 season in terms of interruptions like that yeah I agree with that I think the I think the guidelines have generally relaxed a, a lot in the last year over things like tracing and what you do with individuals that are traced to somebody who has tested positive. Like we're doing different things now with people who have symptoms versus not having symptoms. I wouldn't anticipate cancellations. I, you can never say never. You never know what's going to happen with COVID, but I wouldn't anticipate cancellations. I think it's reasonable to think that a player is going to have COVID at some point and might miss a game. And we might be talking about 
impacts on seasons at sort of that more micro level than instead of, you know, teams having to cancel games or, or weeks of seasons because of COVID. I just want to say this for the record too. You're saying this also as a person who's involved in higher education in Southern California, where I think in the past things have been a little more COVID conscious than some of the rest of the country, but your, your opinion is even colored by what's going on in your area? Yes, quite a bit. So the, the rules around coronavirus and do's and don'ts here in Los Angeles County have been probably more restrictive than in a lot of places, most places, any place maybe in the country and the guidelines on what to do with people who test positive, but don't have symptoms or are contacts of people that have tested positive, but don't have symptoms have relaxed enough that long quarantines and isolations are not really being prescribed for people who haven't necessarily tested positive. So that's going to keep people available for competition and, and other athletics activities. So thanks for the question. I don't have any opinion on monkeypox. I am not a virologist and I am not going to play that on the radio or on the internet. But if you want to send us a question, we do this on every podcast. We will throw out the uh, alert on Twitter and we will answer at least one of them on every podcast between now and, you know, basically Stag Bowl Friday. And this was Around the Nation podcast number 307, released on August 22nd, 2022. Thanks for listening and keep an eye out for our continuing coverage in the season. Season 2022, Division Three football season. You can support production of this podcast and the D3Sports.com family of websites in general by visiting patreon.com slash D3Sports. But even if you can't afford to support us financially, you can help us out by telling a friend, a classmate, fellow alumnus about the show. You can rate and review us in all the various places people rate and review podcasts as well. You can reach us to talk more about Division Three football on Twitter using that D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football. Greg is at Wally Wabash. We have a message board devoted to Division Three sports. Did you know? Join the conversation by registering a post at D3Boards.com. Also, you can follow D3Football.com on Facebook. If that short thing doesn't convince you to join our message board or you aren't able to catch the link very quickly, there's a link to it on the front page of D3Football.com right now. This is the place. It's a forum. I know forum is so 1999, right? But it's a place where people gather and talk about Division Three football. Think of it like a Discord but before there was Discord. The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music is Power 2 by DJ Mentos. We use more of his tracks throughout this podcast as well, and you can find them at djmentos.com as well as on Spotify. Thanks to Jesse Burleson and Steve Johnson, our guests, and thanks to sports information directors Chad Grubbs and Austin Legasse for their assistance on this podcast as well. Thanks to the originator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com, who's Keith McMillan, and thanks to my co-host, Greg Thomas. So we have like two minutes and 26 seconds, apparently, left on this Zoom call. I was not expecting a time limit, but that's about the right amount of time for whatever our rollout ends up being. It is. I like I like the uh, the pressure to wrap it up there. We didn't get we didn't stray too far off the path. Not too bad. Off the beat off the beaten path. Off the I'm beaten think, path. Off the beaten path was one of the categories that I thought might have become tiresome that we might want to uh, swap out and do something else with. Uh, maybe we won't do off the beaten path anymore. Maybe I'm just sick of that drop. Would it be better if we had a different drop? 
might be better if we had a different drop or maybe we keep kind of the similar content but call it something else. Ooh, I like a rebrand too. That's always good. Yeah, rebrand is good. It is. We should we get some of those branding consultants on this. I don't know if we have the I don't know if Patreon's funding branding consultants for us. If you're a branding consultant out there and we have a minute 15 left to talk here, if you're a branding consultant out there, give us a call, drop us an email stating point of view uh, at pat.coleman at d3sports.com. Glad to have that conversation. I'm kidding. I don't really have time to have that conversation. It's August. Kickoff is coming. It is. September 1. I kind of like the sort of slow trickle of games in the first week. You get a little taste on Thursday, a little more on Friday. Some, and then some good stuff on Saturday. I like that we don't have Thursday, Friday games every week. Slow trickle makes me think of that old NASCAR driver. Thank you, Thank you so much, everybody.